Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey everyone, it's Kirsty from The Art of Decluttering here. This week we are replaying the episode with the wonderful Joanna from Bluebird Psychology in Castle Hill and it is all about ADHD. We hope you enjoy it and then go follow her amazing work. Hi and welcome to The Art of Decluttering. I am Kirsty Frugia. And I am Amy Ravel. As well as having a special guest here with us today, we are very excited to let you know that this episode is one that about a bajillion of you have been waiting for. For how many episodes, Kirst? Like 230? Basically, yeah. since the start, you've been like, tell us about ADHD. So today we are. Yeah, and we have my beautiful friend Joanna Bailey here. She is a psychologist and director of Bluebird Psychology in Castle Hill in Sydney, so just around the corner from me. Um, and they ha- she has a team of psychologists who provide compassionate and creative therapy with a heart for the community. And as I said, she's my friend. She's also my client and I love her to pieces and you will see just how much gold she has for all of us um, because not only is she a psychologist, she also has ADHD. So she is well-versed from all sides and she's got kids with ADHD. <laughs> so welcome. Is, right. <laughs> yes. Welcome, 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 Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Why don't you give us a little bit of the story of Joe? Tell us about your family and, um, yeah, tell us about yourself. Yes. So, yeah, I am a mum of three kids, primary school, well, nearly all primary school age kids. I've got my last one off to school next year, which will be, (laughs) yes, a big thing. Um, And, I, yeah, I live in Sydney and I'm a psychologist. So, yeah, we've got a small practice in Castle Hill with a bunch of psychologists and I've been practising for about 15 years now. And, um, yeah, we see a whole range of people coming through our office, but ADHD, particularly adult ADHD, is something that we see quite a lot of. So can you tell us what is ADHD or ADD? Yes, yeah. So uh, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual likes to change around terminology quite a lot. So there used to be this terminology of ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, to distinguish between the people who are hyperactive and the people who are non-hyperactive. But just to make it a bit more complicated, they threw those terms out a couple of years ago and now there's just 
ADHD, but there's three subtypes of it. So inattentive ADHD, hyperactive ADHD, and ADHD combined. So with both inattentive and hyperactive. So it's basically a neurological difference. So like any other kind of neurological difference you might have heard of, like autism or dyslexia or dyscalculia, dyspraxia, even Tourette's syndrome is kind of classified as a neurological disorder. Um, it's quite a common one out of all of the neurological disorders. At the moment, diagnosed people, it's coming up at about 5% of the population worldwide. So it's very common. It's uh, an inherited trait. So there are some people who get it through some forms of illness or brain injury, but for most people it's inherited. Um, it's genetic. So if uh, one of your parents has it, if one of your kids has it, it's very likely that other people in your family will have it as well. Um, yeah, so it has pretty wide-ranging impacts on people. I don't think you can really pull out two people and say it's going to impact them the same way, particularly because there are different subtypes. It's very, very different from person to person. Um, but there are some key kind of identifiers of, of ADHD around difficulties with focusing, difficulties with memory and emotional regulation and difficulty kind of activating yourself into action, um, all of those sorts of key things that can come up. I know when I was um, going through school, there was, it kind of, there was a lot of boys being diagnosed when I was at school. So we're talking like 25 years ago. Yeah. And then um, as I've become a parent, there's been lots of children of both genders being diagnosed. And now that I'm, you know, I've just turned 40, so many of my friends and mums that I know and dads that I know are being diagnosed as adults. Yes. How has like the recognition in the field changed of ADHD over the last 25, 30 years? It's been pretty huge. So originally it was really considered a childhood condition and they even thought that most people would grow out of ADHD. Um, but when you consider it's a neurological difference that you're born with, um, that becomes a problematic sort of theory, right? You can't just grow a new brain um, so some people really do learn how to manage it really effectively and their symptoms their traits might be really really manageable in adulthood but for most people it is lifelong it's interesting when you look at the studies that were done like right back when um, ADHD kind of came out as a diagnosis, they were all done on young boys. So the actual criteria for what, what sort of symptoms are required to meet diagnosis, they were all based off um, children and only male children. So mm -hmm it skewed the uh, diagnosis quite a lot early on. So it was much more focused on hyperactivity than any of the other traits, which is how it, came, it got this name of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, even though it's only one trait and not everyone has that. Um, so now they're broadening the research and you can see that the more research they do, the more the numbers of males to females comes towards the 50-50 line. And we highly expected it is going to be a 50-50 condition. We just need to broaden our view of how it affects girls differently to boys. Um, 
yeah, and then the other big change was really starting to recognise that it, it is a really lifelong condition. People may learn to manage it a little bit like autism spectrum disorders, but it is neurologically part of who you are as a person. So on that difference between the yes. manifestation of this in girls and boys, what does that, and I know everybody's unique, my favourite saying in the whole wide world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how does it yes. present differently? Um, how, do, how do girls and women present differently to boys and men with ADHD? Absolutely. So, yeah, there will always be some people who don't fit this rule, but as a really general rule, girls and women will be much more inattentive rather than hyperactive. So they are the daydreamers, the lost in space people. They can often be quite intelligent and quite creative and also quite good at masking their symptoms as well. So putting a lot of effort into kind of appearing quite um, normal, appearing quite uh, neurotypical, um, but then you see high levels of exhaustion because of that. So real burnout. We'll see a lot of perfectionist traits. Um, You'll see a lot of women who buy, uh, who, who really love the idea of being organised and will buy every box, every label, everything out there. But these sorts of, um, these sorts of goals are just unattainable um, because of the effort that has to go into keeping life that perfect. Um, so, yeah, often girls and women, they'll go under the radar. They won't be diagnosed until they hit some kind of... Um, increased uh, pressure or crisis in their life. So we'll see a lot of girls get diagnosed when they go to tertiary education or when they have children or when their career becomes quite serious because they've been chugging along with all of their coping strategies, just trying to get by. And now the pressure goes up. It's just, it breaks through their capacity and they burn out very quickly. So yeah, um, women and girls I see that they're kind of a lot more undercover a lot of the time oh no I was just going to say which is the majority of our listenership is women and um obviously we parent lots of them are parents of girls and of boys um and so and it's been my personal experience with my daughter who has ADHD that it is um very Mm. it it presents very differently. And I also yeah. suspect that my son might have be sitting on that spectrum as well. So, and he yes. is even more yeah. inattentive. Yeah. Than, so, yes. Um, yes. Um, yeah. and, and I wanted to talk about also, sorry, Amy, um, I also wanted to say that um, talk to us about that aspect of being diagnosed late in life, like Amy said, that mm. well, later, not mm. late, <laughs> later in life, um, mm. and that it is yes. often when our children <laughs> yes. get diagnosed that when we're assessing them, we can see the traits in ourselves or in yes. our partner. <laughs> yes. So, and, and that's why it is a, often a genetic disorder isn't it so can you talk to us about that too yeah so I guess it's like any other kind of genetic disorder as soon as one person in the family gets a diagnosis everyone else kind of stops and looks around a little bit as to oh where where did that 
come from, right? It has to have come from somewhere. Um, it's very rare circumstances where it's it's not genetic. Um, so yeah, I think often when our children or our sibling, our um, our parent, our cousin gets a diagnosis, we will kind of pause and think about the condition maybe in depth for the first time, whereas originally we may have thought, oh, that's that's other families, that's, that's not us. So really starting to recognise, okay, maybe that is, maybe that is something that's going on for us. Um, and as part of the assessment, particularly for children, um, there often is a lot of questions of parents. So you do have to become a little bit more um, reflective about your own upbringing, your own personality, your own struggles. And so, yeah, very often a parent will come across their own diagnosis in that process. Joe, if someone suspects that um, their child or their partner or their mum or themselves might have ADHD, but they're coping quite fine, is there an advantage to going through the diagnostic process or um, is your recommendation, actually, if, if everything's going fine, let it bubble along? Yeah, I think it's great to have awareness of the way our brain works because if we don't have that awareness of why our own brain functions the way it does, we come up with other explanations for why we do things. Yes, very self-critical. Yes. Particularly for women, our explanations are always quite, um, we're quite down on ourselves. I'm just, yeah, I'm just stupid. I'm just unorganised. I'm just lazy. I'm just not good enough. And I think that leads to so many secondary issues so many secondary problems so for most people there is an enormous weight off their shoulders when they realize that there's a reason why I find these things hard and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me it just means my brain functions differently um, that can be enormously helpful as to what they do with that information that's going to be different for everyone some people will feel like it's having enough of a functional impact that they really want to seek out some support and that could be seeing a psychologist, seeing an ADHD coach, um, trialling medication. There are lots of different options. But even if they decide they don't want to do anything about it, I think it, it really shifts the way you see yourself and you start That's to act advice, in a lot more you. sort of practical ways around your difficulties rather than just letting them stew, letting them grow. It also provides lots of grace for other people in relationship yeah. with those people to know a diagnosis um, if you're a parent knowing that your child actually has ADHD and there's mm. nothing they can do about yeah. the way that their brain is constructed yes you have to extend a lot of grace to them and if you're married to somebody like that or you're in partnership or business partnership or in um, you've got an employee or an employer or any type of relationship Mm. knowing something about somebody gives yeah. you that awareness that you might need to extend grace to them or have grace extended to yourself if it's you with the diagnosis as well. Absolutely. It's incredibly valuable for relationships, yeah. So tell us a little bit about ADHD and executive functioning or maybe explain to our listeners what executive functioning is and kind of what that encompasses and then how ADHD um, plays into that. Yeah. So 
Executive functioning is um, some of the actions that our brain takes, some of the purposes of our brain in order to organise our, our thoughts, organise our memory, organise our behaviour, to self-regulate, to monitor our own actions, to assist with memory and memory recall, to manage a lot of our emotional regulation, our effort, our alertness, our focus. So it's kind of like the um, it's mm. the really organised part of our brain. It's the part of our brain that can really make sense of things and turn it into action, to turn that inner work into some kind of helpful action. And how does ADHD um, interlace with all those executive functioning? Does it have an impact on them? Yeah, a massive impact, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are a lot of different disorders that have an impact on different um, parts of our executive functioning. ADHD is the name we give to um, the disorganisation of those areas of executive functioning, the dysregulation of those areas of functioning. So there's... Um, there's inconsistency in how we're able to access those pathways and able to act on them. Um, so, yeah, it can cause quite a lot of inner, internal and external problems with some of those, those areas of functioning. Would you be able to just explain how that might look for somebody who has ADHD? Yeah, absolutely. So with memory, you'll find that... Um, there are no really long-term difficulties with memory, but often there'll be a lot of short-term memory issues. So uh, remembering where you put something down, it just won't have even been recorded in your brain. It's just, it just doesn't exist. So there won't be that memory of where I put my keys. Um, I often have to take photos of where I've parked my car in a car park. Yeah, because I just I just I can't remember. I've got <laughs> these special things that are actually designed for Alzheimer's patients, these little beepers that I put on my keys and my tablet and my wallet and everything. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of memory issues that go along and that means people are having to use a lot of their energy and mental mental focus to trying to repeat things in their heads and recall things constantly um, which can cause a whole lot of exhaustion there can be difficulties with emotional regulation but that's really diff different depending on your age and your personality and your general mood um, but often there is that sort of impulse control difficulty so you may feel something really strongly and have a hard time trying to regulate that mood so for some people that may come out as anger, other people it may just be this general sense of overwhelm that's really hard to manage in that moment that it just seems to feel like it's it's just kind of sweeping you away. Um, effort, I think, is probably one of the biggest ones, that difficulty with summoning the effort to act on something and then continuing with that effort. So from an external point of view, it might look like laziness, but Internally, if you could kind of hear the thoughts of someone sitting on the couch, there would be this, I need to stand up, I need to get up, I need to go do the washing, I have to do that washing, I want to do the washing, but why isn't my body doing it? It's just incredibly difficult to mm -hmm. get yourself to act on these things. And there can be problems with um, 
energy management there as well. Some people will feel quite exhausted and there can be some sleep problems associated with that too. Focusing and sustaining attention is a really big one. Um, the condition name sounds like it's an attention deficit, that it's hard to pay attention to anything, but it's more of an irregulation that you find it hard to pay attention at some times, but then at other times you can't shift your focus away from something that you become stuck. And again, your mind might be screaming at you that I need to go do something else, but it's just incredibly difficult to have control of that focus and that attention. Um, and I think activation, just sort of um, being able to prioritise different things, being able to organise time, that um, it's really hard to kind of put the pieces in place. Um, most people with ADHD are highly intelligent. They know what they need to do, but actually sorting through the mess to put the puzzle pieces in place to make family life or daily life work well will just be like, you know, trying to knit a jumper in a snowstorm, you know, it's just, you might know how to knit, but it's just, it's just too difficult, right? It's just overwhelming. Yeah. I had a um, client that I saw just this afternoon, Joe, that said to me, I feel over, like he was asking for help in a lot of different areas. But one of the things he said is in the morning, I wake up and I know that by nine o'clock, I have to have the kids to school. They should have eaten. Their bags should be packed. Lunch should be made. And I should be ready for work. And he said, but I just have no idea of what order any of that should happen in. Yeah. And he said, can you yeah. just write me a schedule? Seven o'clock, get up. Ten past yeah. seven, give the kids a bowl of cereal with milk in it. And so he was yeah. saying to us, I just need you to, he said, I will follow it. Like he's a really smart guy. I'm going to follow yeah. it step, every step of the way. And it's just clicked to me then that it, that's possibly a, a, one of the ADHD symptoms. Um, he's yes. not diagnosed, but yeah, like it yes. just makes sense to me. Yeah, often you'll see this kind of inconsistency in skill level, like somebody is so good at X, Y, Z, but there's just this skill that just doesn't seem to measure up to their level of ability and it just doesn't seem to make sense and that is often a, a disturbance with executive functioning, that they can be highly skilled, highly intelligent, but their brain is putting um, barriers in the way for them to be able to use some particular skills. So fascinating. So what are, um, I know with my daughter, we tell her that she's got a superpower brain. Um, and so what are some yes. of the benefits? Like what, what, yeah, like what are some of the benefits? What are, the what are some of the superpowers of <laughs> yeah. having ADHD? Yeah, there's always been a bit of debate about whether we should call ADHD a disorder or an illness or just a difference. And I think, the problems that come up with most people with ADHD are um, not so much internal, but it's the problems being in a world that isn't designed for ADHD. And, um, you know, ADHD has, is likely to have always existed in humanity, but there were people who were really able to find ways to make their lifestyle work with ADHD. They were probably the explorers, the inventors, the artists, but if they didn't have to fill out their taxes or organise their pantry or fill out school notes, then they were fine, you know. Um, so I think there are a lot of strengths. If we see ADHD as just a different type of brain, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, there are a huge amount of disadvantages, but I think the benefits, if um, you're aware of them, can be really lovely. So 
there is a bit of a stereotype of ADHD, people being quite creative. Um, it's definitely not everybody, but I think there is that sort of out-of-the-box thinking. Um, and when you look up famous people with ADHD, you'll find a whole lot of really creative thinkers. You'll find a whole lot of really sporty people, inventors. Um, so there's that ability to think slightly differently. Um, and I think that can be hugely advantageous. I think the dysregulation in energy levels can also mean that sometimes there are big spurts of motivation and energy. And so like I'll find that I'll be working on something for ages and ages and not get much done. And then all of a sudden one day I'll sit down and I'll just power through something and I'll produce something amazing. Um, it's tricky because it's not predictable and you can't plan around it, but those little spurts of energy and motivation and focus can achieve some pretty incredible things. That sounds like a pretty good superpower, actually. <laughs> and for it to not come at like 11 o'clock at night when you've worked all day and you're like, okay, now it's hitting, let's go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is always the last thing at night, yeah. Joe, tell us about your experience of calling Kirsty in. So talk to us about the decisions that came um, to the point where you called Kirst and said, hey, come in and help me declutter in my home. And then tell us about what that experience has been like. Yeah, yeah. So I think managing a household, um, especially with kids, has always been a struggle for me, like managing um, mess, managing chores, managing clutter. Um, it was always a bit of a problem pre-kids, but after kids, it was just, it just pushed over the top. And Hurricane came through. Absolutely. And I think it's even more complex if multiple people in the family have ADHD, because then there's the mess of multiple people who don't know how to um, organise themselves and stay on top of things and lose things constantly. Um, so, yeah, I think when I called Kirsty, I was in between houses. We had just moved out of one house and were living with family and then we were about to move into our new house. So it looked like this bit of an opportunity that if we're setting ourselves up in our forever home, um, I want to set it up well. And by that stage, I was very aware of my um, ADHD traits, I was very aware of um, how I'll often have really great uh, goals that, you know, this is going to be amazing, I'll be super on top of everything. But it very, very rarely, it it never, it never works out like that. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking about somebody asked me what I wanted for my birthday and the only thing I could think about was I want a bit of order. So my family <laughs> all chipped in and um, paid for Kirsty to come out and save me and, yeah, that's how I met Kirsty. That's her superpower. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel making that phone call? What was the experience like? I know um, as a psych, you probably asked that question to a lot of your clients, like how did it feel getting here today? Yes. And how do you feel having reached out? Can I ask you that question as well? Yeah, I think it was a, a bit of a relief reaching out that I kind of knew that something was going to happen and that was really good. Um, yeah, it's always a bit nerve-wracking letting somebody into your home, especially uh I think particularly for ADHD people, um, 
you're normally very good at hiding the chaos. Um, we become very aware that the way we live is not like other people. Like I know everybody has mess, but ADHD mess is a, a slightly different type of mess. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, kind of actually showing people that, um, that's it's a bit of a scary thought. And um, I do talk about my ADHD a bit, but not not all the time. So kind of uh, opening up to Kirsty about that is, yeah, it's it's a scary thing. But um, yeah, by that point, I really understood her and trusted her and felt like she wasn't judging me. Um, yeah, and it, it ended up being really helpful having her know that um, it kind of changed the way that we worked together. Yeah. And how did you find it? Like what, um, what benefit was there to having a professional organiser who just happened to be me. Yeah. <laughs> who happened to be the best in Sydney. <laughs> happened to be one of the best in Sydney. <laughs> oh, yeah, how did that, how, how was the actual process? Like, and, and yeah, tell us about mm, that. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. I think, um, yeah, me, like a lot of other people um, with ADHD, we have this tendency of kind of, piling things up and that's kind of our way of organizing like here is all of my paperwork in a box and I've got it there and now I don't know what to do with it here is you know all of these receipts here's all of this stuff and we kind of make piles and then we lose motivation and get stuck so having somebody to actually sit with me as I had to take every single thing out of a box um, and to say to me when I start wandering away like Joe, where are you going? Like, come, come back, um, and often say, Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe. <laughs> um, Joe, what are you holding in your hands right now? Can you put that away before you go and deal with that? Um, yeah, it, it really helped to keep me on track, and I think taught me a few skills that I can try and keep in place for myself as well. So, yeah, I found. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. it really helpful amy it's nearly christmas i feel like it was christmas just yesterday Kirst. 2020 has just blown my mind in terms of the speed of time have you started setting up christmas yet no no 
I can't, um, I've got my head in the sand as far as Christmas is concerned. Haven't even started thinking about it, buying presents or doing anything to do with Christmas. Surely I agree. It is only March 2020, although I do not want to repeat it this year. No, I don't want to go back through it. Yes. (laughs) But you don't have to be done, dear listeners. I know. We are really excited. Our 12 Days of Christmas Declutter Challenge is back again for 2020. And if there's ever a year, that you need a Christmas declutter challenge to kickstart you into the Christmas season. This is the year. It's an awesome course. This is the fourth year, I think, that we're running it. Um, Kirst, tell us what the listeners get when they join. You get like 24 videos, don't you? Let mm-hmm. me get this right. 24 videos, 12 are with Amy, and she goes through different parts of your house and different items that you can declutter, and then 12 are with me, and they're more christmas orientated so not only do you get to declutter in preparation your house in preparation for christmas you also get to think about christmas so it's exciting and there's loads of bonuses there's christmas wish lists and all these lots and lots of things um, all in this really cute little package called the 12 days of christmas declutter challenge And if you want to buy it as a gift for yourself, it's super inexpensive. It's just $27 and you get lifetime access to the course. In fact, someone came into our 2 million party the other day and said that the 12 Days of Christmas Declutter Challenge was the thing that started her on a journey to decluttering and has changed her life. After that was pretty incredible for a $27 course. Um, You can do it at your own pace, which is awesome. The hacks in there for Christmas are just brilliant you're absolutely going to love it. So, Kirst, where do they go? So head on over to our website, theartofdecluttering.com.au slash Christmas, and you can sign up to the course there. We can't wait to hear how you go decluttering this Christmas. Come and join us. I won't be the same without you. What are some things that you've learnt to help you get organised and then stay organised as someone with ADHD? Yeah, so um, I think sticking to small areas at a time is really important because I know I definitely have the tendency of looking at the whole and then just getting really overwhelmed. So focusing on one box or one coffee table, that sort of thing, or focusing on a a short period of time. And uh, I use timers quite a lot for myself and with my kids, so setting a timer for five minutes if it's a task I really hate setting it for two minutes and then it's like I kind of um, almost want to challenge myself to see how much I can get done in that time Um, I kind of gamify (laughs) quite a lot of things so if I can't stick with one thing I'll often write a list of like all the rooms in our house and I'll tell myself I have to move I have to put away you know 10 things in each room or something and by keeping going through that cycle It tends to stimulate my my brain enough that I can stick with it for a bit longer. Um, That's a great tip. Yeah, it's it's not very focused, so I don't know how Kirsty would feel about that, but it keeps me going. It's effective, though. Yeah, Yeah. it gets the job done and it keeps you stimulated and Kirst would give it the double thumbs up, I reckon. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Whatever works, whatever works. Yeah, um, in the same sort of way of keeping myself uh, stimulated, I think music is incredibly helpful and I've kind of become addicted to audiobooks um, to just kind of you almost become a bit robotic. You just 
do what needs to be done because you're focusing on the audiobook. Um, what I learned from Kirsty was don't put anything down. If you if you've picked something up, it needs to have a home now rather than <laughs> just putting it back in the pile. Um, and I think having a buddy, like I can't be accountable to myself. It just doesn't work. I need to be accountable mm. to someone else. I think that's really helpful when it comes to even kids and teenagers with ADHD. Like if it means having a parent or an auntie or uncle or a nanny or someone, a professional organiser come alongside just to provide that coaching, mm. but that accountability, which some people are amazing at being self-accountable. Mm. I just happen to not be yeah. one of them. No, it does not work for me. <laughs> and so it is important to have that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got some good friends who will just come and um, sit on my couch while I try and get paperwork done or something, just so that if they see me wandering off, they can say, uh, excuse <laughs> me, what, what are you doing? Um, or if I'm cleaning out the pantry, they'll make sure I actually put it back in the pantry rather than <laughs> leaving it all over the dining table, that sort of thing. So, yeah, having friends or family members or professionals that get you and um, can compassionately support you is is really helpful. Yeah, and that's what um, Amy and I work with loads of ADHD clients Mm. and it is, Mm. um, it's always a joy to work with them because it's, Mm. it makes our day interesting too. Like it's really, it is, and it's fun. Um, it's really helpful to us to be aware of it as well. Like to, mm. when mm. a client of ours discloses that they have ADHD because we mm. um, we see traits of it, you know, like Amy's client today just saying, I need mm. a list. Like yeah, even if he's not diagnosed and does not have ADHD, we can employ yeah. our tips and tricks for clients with ADHD with people who disclose stuff like that to us because they're like aha I get I I get you I get you and I really so I I love working with ADHD clients because I love I love going okay come back to task come Yes. Yes. I'll sometimes say to my clients with ADHD, like, take off that hoodie with massive pockets because I know (laughs) you're going to squirrel things away in there as we go and it's going to be distracting. Go put on a cardigan or something. Yeah, that's great. You look a bit guilty when I said that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think I probably hid a few things from Kirsty. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also really helpful, um, like, when I see people fidgeting with things. I'm like, cool, mm. like keep that fidget mm. toy because it's helping mm. you to concentrate on what I say. Um, yep. And so knowing that, like I've learned, I've still got a way, way, way to go in my parenting journey um, and learning about ADHD. But the things I have learned so far is, you know, is that fidgeting is a good thing, is often a good yeah. thing. <laughs> Amy as Amy yes. holds up a fidget toy and as Joe holds up a fidget toy. <laughs> and I've got this one in yeah. hand. <laughs> because it um yeah like what I've learned is that it really helps um, my daughter to be able to concentrate on what her teacher is saying and it mm-hmm. you two are able to concentrate on what I'm saying or at least um quiet yeah yeah, we're pretending quiet, <laughs> your own voices, so that yes. ordering your own voice, your own thoughts, so that you can answer questions or come up with questions. Um, Absolutely. And I didn't know that before. 
this journey. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like it would be a distraction, doesn't it? And I think for most neurotypical brains, it would be a distraction. But for uh, ADHD brains, we call it sort of the monkey brain that just wants to play with something. It just wants to do something. And rather than letting the monkey brain just run wild and destroy our focus, if you give the monkey brain a toy, it sits in the corner and kind of settles down and it frees us up to be able to focus on what we're doing. So being able to move around a bit, um, being able to fidget with fingers, or if I can't do that, I'm often just sort of scrunching my toes over and over, um, being able to kind of suck the back of my teeth or something to keep myself occupied helps me to focus. And it um, it might seem like a distraction, but it does exactly the opposite. Yeah. It's just distracting for everybody else around you, not distracting. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the things I've often talked to my psych about, and I'm not diagnosed, um, but we talk about busy fingers, quiet mind. And so for me, I have to be doing something in order to think. Otherwise, if there's a trillion things firing off all at once. Mm. And so sometimes when we've got clients that look into a space that is really overwhelming Mm. and that does have lots of clutter Mm. and visual disturbances, Mm. Sometimes actually having someone come in with them and go, okay, we're going to exert energy. We're going to exert focused energy mm. and we're going to sometimes, I take lollies to all my sessions. So I have mm. bags and bags of lollies in my work mm. bag because sometimes we've got clients that are like, I need to reward yeah. them every three yeah. minutes. <laughs> you can have one lolly. Where are my lollies, Kirsty? <laughs> come on, Kirsty. Okay. Okay. Next, next time I'll bring lollies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I think it is really helpful to like that busy hands that give the monkey a toy to play yeah. with is decluttering can be yeah. that. It's just that sometimes you need a coach to come alongside and, and help you direct how that can be productive. Yeah, absolutely. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, and I think absolutely we need to keep our brain uh, occupied. And on that sort of sense of um, looking at an overwhelming task, I think it's really important for for any person with ADHD, but I find particularly for women to be aware of just how much shame and guilt and depression and anxiety comes out of ADHD. So very Mm. often what comes through my door is um, I've had long-term depression, long-term anxiety, but I don't know why. I don't know why I have that Mm. and this sense that I can't keep up with everything, but I I think I'm smart. I think I'm capable. What's going on? And so there's been this lifelong thing drilled into someone, especially women, because we've got these expectations on us to be organised, to be on top of things, to be multitasking, to work and have kids and all of this stuff. Um, and when we can't keep up with that, we just start to assume I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. Mm. So, yeah, having somebody into your house, often the first sort of feeling is going to be um, shame that, you know, why can't I keep up with this? What's wrong with me? What are they going to think of me? Um, and that's probably one of the biggest battles I see for women with ADHD is overcoming that, that shame so perfect because that's exactly what I was going to ask next I was going to say yes that <laughs> so many people have so much shame and then that yes. is just piled on with ADHD because we mm. you know yeah. we're we I'm speaking as if I do have it I don't as far as I know um but mm. exactly what you said like women have mm. got shame 
poured all over us and we pour it all over our own selves so much naturally that when we think that there's something deficient in us when actually, you know, when we learn that actually it's just the way that our brains are wired and that this is normal for 5% of the population or more. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Then that must be so... There must there must be some sort of freedom in that for some people. As a general rule, I see a huge amount of relief and that's wonderful. And I think you often see shame come up around whatever whatever matters to us most. And so, for example, um, my kids matter to me a huge amount. And so when my ADHD gets in the way of me being the kind of mum I want to be, like I lose a birthday party invitation or don't sign a school slip or have lost their shoe or, you know, something like that, then there is a great deal of shame there because I am not living up to my own expectations. But if I can own that as this this is something that my brain is not naturally good at doing, then I can come up with strategies. So my kids know that if they get a note, it has to go on the pin board because mum does not have a hope of remembering it. I've got friends at my kids' school that will often message me saying, hey, do you know it's Mufti Day tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Um, you know, my husband is School mum friends are the they're, best. They're wonderful, yeah, they get me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just being able to own it and that way you can still... Uh, really be able to live by your values and be the kind of person you want to be but just in slightly different ways and with slightly different strategies to what other people might do. Joe, what are some strategies or life hacks that have worked in your family whether for your kids or for yourself that kind of help you maybe maintain some of the work you've done with Kirst or help you to um, have a home that suits the vision that you guys have? Yeah. I think the only thing that really motivates me to clean up is if people are coming over. So we have people over every Friday night for pizza um, and they're people who would not care if the house was a mess, but I, I try to clean up anyway. Um, I My husband's really understanding and will often just get the kids out and about so I can focus on cleaning and we try to really gamify as much as we can so if there's a huge pile of washing to be sorted we get out five baskets and the kids have to dive in and separate clothes out into those baskets as fast as they can Um, so routines I think are helpful for a lot of people routines for me never really stick so I have to kind of come up with new plans constantly so I'm completely fine with a routine dying and not really working because then I'll come up with a new one and that's fine we'll keep going like that um yeah we use a lot of technology we've got um calendars shared calendars that work um together we've got reminder messages that go off constantly um I've got those beepers on everything that I own um I get support with certain the children have beepers I need behind yes my (laughs) youngest if anyone knows my youngest Kirsty met my youngest who was with us when we were trying to work he definitely needs a beeper um <laughs> but yeah a lot of those things can be really really helpful um yeah we use as much technology and and those sorts of things as possible and professional services to do the things that I just am not good at so we get our ironing done by someone and it's dropped off because I'm 
I'm never going to do it. Um, so knowing where my limitations are and seeing how we can budget for that or how we can get support with that. Um, and that goes for my business as well. Like prior to me having administration and a manager, it just swamped me. So being aware of where my gaps are and filling them properly. Because ADHD doesn't mean that you can't be a really successful mum. It doesn't mean you can't be a really successful business owner. It can't mean you can be a successful manager and employer and wife and partner and friend. You've just got to understand yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And is that one of the challenges for somebody with ADHD is that self-awareness? Um, yeah. And in that awareness that they are different. Yeah, I think often they will be very aware that they're different. They'll probably have felt very different for a very long time and feel like, why does why is everyone else able to manage life? Like, you know, people have a lot of struggles, but there'll be this general sense that people seem to be able to get through. What, what am I missing? Um, so... Yeah, I think there is that sort of lost feeling um, that a lot of people with ADHD will describe. And so, yeah, I think one of the real turnarounds in their development is when they they grow in that awareness of themselves um, and all of the unique strengths and struggles that go along with that then help you to set up strategies that work well for you. So if someone's listening to you speak and going, tick, 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 whether for themselves or someone else, is the GP the first person they talk to? Like how do we encourage our listeners to be taking the steps to get that understanding and freedom and insight that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So as much as I would love to tell people to rush out to their GP or a psychologist to get assessed and start that journey, I would really caution them to make sure that the person they're rushing out to is well-trained in ADHD diagnosis because unfortunately there still is a fair bit of stigma around and I definitely have come across um, medical professionals, health professionals that will say, um, well, you're not a 12-year-old boy, it can't be you, Um, or no, you're too intelligent, you're too successful, or you're not studying right now, so why does it matter? Like, what, what, how, why would it matter? So it's really seen as an educational issue rather than a life issue, and I don't just use my executive functioning to study, I use my executive functioning to do everything, to get out of bed in the morning, to do everything. So, um, yeah, if you ever see a health professional that kind of questions why it matters or um, or why you why you can, are considering that, I would say it's probably not the right health professional for you. Um, and that's not necessarily the health professional's fault. People can't be trained in everything and that's okay. But there are some really good GPs, psychiatrists, psychologists, ADHD coaches that um, where it is an area of real interest for them and they have a lot of training, a lot of experience, and I would definitely encourage you to go see them. Even if you don't know what you want to do about it, even if you don't think you want to pursue um, support or any form of treatment, I think that's fine. You don't have to, but just having that awareness can be an incredibly powerful thing. So, yeah, your GP or a psychologist, if they are well-versed in it. 
And you said you've got plenty of resources to share with our listeners. So do you want to name some yes. of them and we'll put them in the show notes as well? Yes. So I'll name a couple of my favourite books, but I will also let you know that all of these books are audio books because if you're anything like me, sitting down to read a book doesn't work um, <laughs> because I'm a mum and never kids never let me do that, but also because I have <laughs> ADHD. Um, so audio books are definitely helpful and so when I zone out, I can just rewind a little bit. Um so there are two books about ADHD that I always recommend. There's Taking Charge of Adult ADHD by Russell Barkley is a really good general read about what adult life with ADHD is like. And there is probably one of my favourite books is Women with Attention Deficit Disorder by Sari Solden. And she's written an amazing book about um, the unique challenges of being a woman with ADHD. The ADHD Effect on Marriage by Melissa Orlov is a great one for understanding the impacts on relationships, whether there's one or two people with ADHD in a relationship. But then particularly around organising, there is one called ADHD Friendly Ways to Organise Your Life by um, Kohlberg and Nadal and one that I quite like, Organising Solutions for People with ADHD by Susan Pinsky. Um, but any women who are listening who particularly are kind of questioning their own um, journey with ADHD, I would definitely um go out and get them women with attention deficit disorder by Sari Solden. It's a great book. You can find all of the links to those in our show notes. Um, you, Joanna, talked before about the autism spectrum. We also have an episode on that if you want to scroll back or search for it um, on our website. Joe, if people want to connect with you personally or with your business personally, um, how, yeah. do you want to tell us how they can find you? Yeah, so we're based in Castle Hill in New South Wales, but we also do telehealth at the moment. So we're seeing people from every corner of Australia. Um, we have a website at bluebirdpsychology.com.au and we're on Facebook and on Instagram. So, yeah, you can find us there and um, feel free to ask me any questions about ADHD or if you need help finding a specialist in your area um, I'm more than happy to help with that search. And Joe, is there anything else that we haven't covered off on that you think would be helpful for our listeners to know about ADHD or about living with ADHD and organising with ADHD? I think a lot of people get really stuck on um, the idea of medication for ADHD and that can be a really scary and a really controversial thing so I'll just say don't let that put you off uh, seeking out information. Um, ADHD is a, a neurological difference like any other and medication can make life-changing differences for some people and for other people it's just it just doesn't gel with them at all. Um, so I would just stay really open to that as an option if it is recommended to you and if it doesn't work for you that's that's not a problem you don't have to go down that route at all but um yeah there's a lot of really sort of rubbish news out there about ADHD I just wouldn't go too far down that rabbit hole because it will just be quite 
dangerous and unhelpful. Um, make sure you're reading accurate information about ADHD. Been so lovely having you on our podcast. I <laughs> adore you. You know that. I hope you know that. And I, we really appreciate your knowledge and your personal experience living with ADHD and parenting ADHD kids. Um, yeah. So thank you so so. Thank you, Joe. It has been incredible. I'm sure people will um, connect with you online. But also, if you've got questions, of course, you can come into our community group and hopefully there'll be others in there with a similar experience that can share their stories as well. Yeah. So thank you, Joe. No Thanks, Kirst. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Pleasure. I've got pleasure. A Thanks, Kirst, for another I episode. You've got a review. I always forget I've the review. review. Go, go, go. We've been getting so many. It's awesome. People are actually following the red yeah, cows well, and blue this cows. One, and... <laughs> this one is exactly that, I think. So okay. soon to be mum of two appreciates your help. So I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and it's made an absolute difference in my life. I decluttered my bedroom recently after listening to the sleep episode and this six-month pregnant mama has actually been getting some decent sleep. So thank you. Woo! I love all the little tips and tricks that help me keep the house functional so I don't lose my mind prior to having two kids. Listening to you both is one of my favourite things to do while doing the daycare drop-off. I'm hoping that my two-and-a-half-year-old will start taking some of it in too so he can start contributing considering he makes most of the clutter. <laughs> love your work, ladies. <laughs> Stay awesome. And that's from She Baz Mum. Thank you for that review. So maybe this week, if you have ADHD or someone in your family has ADHD, it's your week to leave a review. And because we know that your executive functioning might forget about that, <laughs> we're going to do this. Hey, Google, set a reminder in half an hour to leave a review for the Art of Decluttering podcast. So hopefully that helps you all. And if not, Worst case, you're going to get healing in half an hour. If you've been scrolling through your phone, you'll get a little reminder that half an hour's gone by. <laughs> Again, thank you, Joe. We loved having you on and we can't wait to hear from you, our listeners, about um, any light bulb moments that have gone off for you while listening to this podcast. So we can't wait to hang out with you again next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash theartofdecluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.